Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Liz, and if we haven't met yet, I'm one of the lead pastors along here with Dan. And uh, we just came back from North Carolina, and we were at the, the National Vineyard Conference. And so this is where, like, a bunch of leaders and pastors, we all gather together um, just to seek God together, to worship, um, to grow together, and it's always a good time. And so this year was, was even more special for me personally. Um, if you didn't know, I have had this really special privilege of being in a lead, a women lead pastor um, well-being cohort. So I know it sounds fancy, but here's the thing. Um, there was a Lily grant given to the vineyard, and we got a million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? And what they did with that million dollars is they decided to invest it in the well-being of pastors. And isn't that wonderful? And so they came up with these two-year cohort groups um, where you got a, a mentor and a coach and a spiritual director, and you're, you're, you are with this group for two years. And they specifically targeted um, like minority groups that are within the church. Like we have a lot of Asian American pastors, black pastors, um, women pastors, you know, groups that all, don't always get the focus and development that they need, right? And so they, they targeted these different groups, and you had to apply. Um, and I did that about a year and a half ago. And there was an initial retreat that I missed because I had COVID and I was so sick I couldn't make it. But I've been um, journeying with this group of women pastors for a year and a half, and I got to meet them in person for the first time in a year and a half, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and so it, it was just, it was so encouraging for my heart because we are, we're all around the country, Colorado and Ohio and all these places, but we're saying, you know what makes a really healthy church is healthy pastors. And we're doing it together and we're supporting each other so that we can have a healthy, beautiful church. And so it, it just warms my heart that like Vineyard really, really cares about the well-being of their pastors. They care about underrepresented uh, people groups. And that was even um, a focus of this year's conference was it was kind of like this expression of what heaven is going to be like. We had um, different groups leading worship, and we sang in different languages, and sometimes even um, like the talks were translated like in Spanish as we were doing it. And it was just this moment of like, this, this is what heaven is like. We are gathered as one people from every tribe and every tongue to be in the presence of God. And I, I just love that our movement um, is like one big family in that way. And so a few of us went, um, uh, Greg and Jeanette and Anne and me and Dan and our family, and there's even a kids conference too, and so our kids got to be a part of what God is doing. And so um, 
yeah, it's just a really special time to be a part of like the larger body of Christ and what he is doing. And, and we kind of have a refreshed vision of like, okay, how is he leading us in evangelism or how is he leading us in missions and, and how to um, continue making our churches a healthy place. So thank you for missing us for a week, but we are back now and excited about the fall. So I have a question for you. Do you have like a a favorite flower this time of year, you know, something maybe you've planted in your own yard, um, something maybe in a, in a pot, or something you like, you really look forward to growing. Or maybe you're like me, not so much of a green thumb, right? <laughs> okay, and so you like depend on the, the, the beauty of other people's talents. Like, you know, we have these beautiful flower pots as you come in, you know, that was Ar- Arlene, she's a a gardener, and I'm just so thankful that somebody does that, you know, and these beautiful flowers have grown throughout the summer, and they're cascading down, and it's a self-watering pot, which is beautiful because I'm not killing the flowers throughout the week for forgetting to water them, so, um, but one thing that I really enjoy is you know, at Lake of the Woods, which is our forest preserve here, we have the botanical garden little area. You guys, any of you go walking through that? Yeah, so gorgeous, right? And I love the different array of flowers that they plant each year. Um, And one particular flower that I like, one of my favorites, is the hibiscus flower. And I took a picture. This is It's like right as you turn the corner on one of these walks, like this beautiful several bushes of these show up, right? The dark foliage of the leaves and these bursting pink flowers. It's very contrasting, right? Okay, the flowers get to be like as large as like a paper plate, right? And what's fascinating about this particular plant is they, the blooms um, are are really fast, okay? So like one day you could walk by and they could all be like closed up, and then the next day you could walk by and they're like, there's all of a sudden like 10 flowers, right? Sometimes the blooms only last like a day. They're very quick to like open and be closed and open. And so it's just like this constant transformation that keeps you like surprised as you walk around the gardens. So, we're going to get back to that, but today we're reading a passage from James. We've been in this series called Shift, and now we're at the last chapter, so we're wrapping it up. But James kind of has this, um, like, stern uh, warning this morning um, about money. And so it's, it's, a little, it's a little much reading it. I won't be, I'm not going to lie. Um, But what he is doing is he's calling out some injustices that have been happening um, in that time, okay? And he is specifically kind of calling out people that have been abusing money and um, abusing people. And and there's these wealthy landowners that have just been doing evil things with their money. And what we... Well, we can't, what we can't say is, well, this passage just doesn't apply to me. I'm not a wealthy landowner. You know, I'm not uh, misusing my, my workers and employees. What, what James is, is hitting on is not only is he calling out this injustice that he sees, 
But he's also um, kind of taking us back to some things that Jesus has said about what, what is the role of money in our life and to be aware of its power and its potential to go awry in our life. Money is not bad. It's good. We need it to live, right? We need it to buy things. We need it to support our families. But it's our heart posture towards money that matters. You and I, as citizens in the kingdom of God, have have certain priorities and values that God highlights for us to live by. And that's what James is pointing out, that he wants us to steward our, our money well and live with our heart posture towards him first and foremost. So here's the thing about those beautiful flowers in Lake of the Woods. They don't last forever, right? They're fleeting. They're, they come in great beauty, but it's fleeting. And, and money is also fleeting. But what stays forever is our friendship with God. Our friendship with God. A lot of times James kind of has this proverb way of talking to us with wisdom. And here's all these little bits of wisdom for life, right? And here's this proverb about money. Proverbs 23.5, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. <laughs> and, and James isn't as lighthearted as that proverb, but I'm going to read to you. And what we're going to do, what, what I really sensed after, um, you know, just reading this passage and wrestling with it this week, is that I really saw three principles for us to take away with uh, this passage. So it's 5, 1 through 6. You can look at it up here on the screen. It'll, I'll be reading in the New Living Translation. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay, the cries of those whose harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. So here's the, the first thing that stands out to me about this, is that these workers are crying out and their voices are reaching God. Why? Because God cares about injustice. He cares about the injustices of the world. He hears the cries of those that are in need who are being treated unjustly because God is good and true and right and just. And so he hears and he sees when evil happens on earth. 
And God knows when money is controlling the agenda and others are losing out because of it. Now, what we have to understand about this passage is, you know, the ancient world was fundamentally an agricultural uh, society, right? So, you know, it's not like the commerce of today. So to own land meant that you really controlled the resources of the time, right? So you controlled a lot of um, how food was being distributed, the cost of it, everything. If you owned land, you were a big deal. And so you had this privilege of controlling resources that kept other people alive. And instead of being a good steward of that resource, there was people who were just exploiting their workers and hoarding the wealth and the profits for themselves. They're getting rich off of their situation. And it kind of um, tells us that they might have been refusing to pay some of their day laborers, or they might have refused to pay them on time. Like those day laborers are counting on a wage by the end of the day so that they can take it and buy food for their families. And if those landowners weren't timely, if they thought, oh, I can make a little interest, I can make a little extra by withholding these payments, then guess what? The, their, their workers are the ones that are um, paying the consequences and suffering and potentially going hungry along with their families. So there was often a gap, right, between the, the landowners, the business people, and the workers. And they exploited that gap by taking more and more money for themselves. And all that storing up of money for themselves is unjust. It was unjust then, and it still is today. It will lead nowhere when we hoard money for ourselves. So here's the first principle that I, I see from this passage, is that wealth is fleeting, right? Wealth is fleeting. It actually provides no foundation for the life to come. And really, it provides no foundation for the kingdom among us right here today. It can work against us on Judgment Day, is what this passage says. Now, we talked about this a, a little few weeks ago, that I don't know exactly what Judgment Day is going to look like, but there is going to be this moment where we stand before God, and either we are friends with Him, or we stand in front of Him and we don't really know Him, right? Right? So the life to come, the kingdom of God, has already come through Jesus. When he came on earth and was born, the kingdom of heaven has started. Life with God, freely with the Holy Spirit, has started. And so these are the days that God is setting things right. He's redeeming the earth. He's giving us new identities. And he's saying, if you are citizens of this kingdom that is here on earth, it's inappropriate for us to store up treasures for ourselves. That's not the way the citizens of the kingdom of God live. That we actually live with having a pulse on Jesus every single day. God, how are you moving in my life? How are you working in my life? How are you working in other people? I want to be others-oriented and serve other people. 
And the reason this is is because money isn't going to satisfy us. You know, we often settle for the immediate pleasures of materialism, right? We do. But only friendship with Jesus will satisfy those most deep internal longings in our hearts. And following the pleasures of of wealth and unjust profits, James says, is going to lead to a bigger problem in the end. It's going to lead to a bigger thing than you've ever even imagined. So he's kind of He's kind of reflecting what some of the prophets in um, Isaiah have said. That's kind of like that, which seems like really harsh language is, is from a little bit of the Old Testament where, where his prophets warn people, hey, you're going to face God someday. And you're going to face God, and here's what's true about God. God lifts up the humble. He lifts up the poor. He cares about those who have been down and out. So we need to come to God with humbleness. No matter how much money we have, we need to evaluate that relationship with money and make sure that it isn't distracting us and becoming a barrier between us and God. And here's the second principle that I see. Wealth can be a strong force in our lives, keeping us from discipleship. That means like following Jesus, becoming like Jesus. Because following Jesus, it takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes commitment. It's risky to follow Jesus. And he flips the script in our lives of what the world tells us to to go after and to value and to succeed with. And he flips that script. It takes boldness to live humbly, sacrificially, generously with the values that Jesus gives us. We lay out our money before him, and we say, it belongs to you, Jesus. I'm not going to hold tightly to it. How would you have me use my money? What do you desire me to do with it? The author, Joseph Heller, of the book Catch-22, he was once at a party in the Hamptons, and a guy came over and started this conversation with him and, and pointed out this young 25-year-old who was at the party, who was a big hedge fund worker, and he said, you see that guy over there? He made more money last year than you will ever make with all of your books combined. And Joseph said, maybe so, but I have one thing that that man will never have. And his friend was skeptical and said, oh yeah, what? And he said, enough. You know, are you content with what you have? Or do you always find yourself desiring more? You know, those questions sting a bit because we, ha- we live in a consumer culture. You know, I'm the spender of the relationship. Dan's the saver, so he's probably like, Gosh, I wish my wife will take away something from her sermon because 
we could really use a little bit more of like, this money is God's money, what are we doing with it in all of our purchases, right? Maybe you relate to that, you know? Money is a force. It's a powerful one. It can be used for good or can be used for selfish gain, like this passage says. Now, Jesus talked a lot about money, a lot. And one, particularly, one particular place he talked about it was in the Sermon on the Mount, which James often references back to. You don't see it explicitly, but you're like, oh yeah, Jesus said that. Oh yeah, Jesus said it. It's like he's pulling out all these bits of wisdom and repackaging them for us. So Jesus said this. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And Jesus is saying, you know, you got to make space in your heart for kingdom treasure. Rather than just storing up all the things on earth and all those fleeting pleasures and all those things that quickly satisfy, you've got to make room in your heart for the deeper kingdom treasure. And it's a super gray area because Jesus doesn't say, okay, this is how much you can make and after that you have to give it all away and you know, you, you should have this much in your savings account and this much in your retirement account and this much in your bank account. And No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't give us black and white rules like that. He just continually pokes at our heart, you know, which is a lot harder. <laughs> it's easier to just live by a rule and check out with our heart. It's, it's a lot easier. But Jesus is always going after our heart. What's your heart orientation? What's your heart's focus? Is it on me or is it on yourself? Those are tough questions to ask on a daily basis. Is our heart on the hunt for Jesus and his kingdom treasure? When we put the priority on ourselves, it's just... It's about accumulating more for the kingdom of self. We know what that feels like. It's easy. It's what the world tells us to do. That's our third principle for this morning. Wealth can just be a servant of self or a practice in generosity. You know, in everything, we're either serving the purposes of God or the desires of self. And in that passage in Matthew, Jesus is telling us that when we let money be a servant of self, we will invest our time and our energy and more money in the physical treasures of this world. And the core lie in that is that by satisfying those desires, we will find life. That it will actually work right? We'll feel better when we satisfy those desires. And that's what James is saying here. He says, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. That's, that's hard to hear. 
Here's another thing that we miss culturally. So when it talks about right after that, you have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. It's about satisfying your every desire. But here's what happened in ancient times. Meat was not something that everybody readily ate, right? It was when you slaughtered an animal, well, you would fatten it up, right? So get it as juicy and delicious as possible. And then when it came time to slaughter that fattened animal, you had to eat it quickly, okay? You had to eat it in the moment, right? Because it took a lot of effort to preserve it and save it. That wasn't something, you know, you just didn't throw it in the fridge, throw it in the freezer, put it in the Ziploc bag, save it for another day. That's not how it worked, right? And um, you could only save it by drying or salting. And so the wealthy were fattening up their animals and then eating the meat and just hoarding it with their other wealthy friends, right? The if you were a landowner, you had the party with the fattened calf, but the poor didn't eat meat, on, on, only on very rare occasions, with special festivals. So here's the thing. The wealthy were living in self-indulgence and luxury. And how much has really changed in our world since the time of James? You know, I can relate to that experience of telling myself, no when it comes to spending, right? We like to tell ourselves these stories like, oh, I deserve this, I need this, I've worked for this, it's okay if I go a little over my budget this month, I won't do it again next month, you know, I won't spend that much, time, that much next time. You know, we have all these little scripts in our head, or maybe it's just me, you know, that's fine. <laughs> or we, we justify our actions, right? And here's what happens. It just snowballs into this heart posture of self. And we just tell ourselves, like, oh, this is going to satisfy me, and this is going to satisfy me for just a little while until it doesn't. Because it never does. There's always a temptation for more and more and more. And so here's what I think we have to do. We have to just practice something different, okay? Take away the shame and the guilt. If you're a spender like me, just let it go. But practice something different, right? Practice something that is going to reorient your heart towards God's kingdom instead of self. And so what does it look like for us to be on the hunt for God's treasure in our daily life? What does it look like to, to come into the loving presence of God and reorient our priorities around Him and our money around His will? So I have a few call to actions as we consider um, these principles this morning. And I just, you know, I just encourage you that you have a conversation with Holy Spirit because he's going to tell you, he's going to nudge you in your heart what he's asking you to obey. It's not, it's not everything. It's, all, it's not black and white, all or nothing, but it's just this nudge of what attachments do you have that are not centered on him, that he wants to reorient. So here are some, some practices that I have uh, thought of. 
first of all, is set aside some money in your budget to just give away. This has been really helpful um, for us in the sense of like, okay, let's say you just set aside $20, $50, whatever it is. You just like have a budget line that just says, this is free giveaway money, you know? So you don't have to feel that, I don't know, that weird internal battle. Like, should I give this money? I don't know. You just like, okay, here's my, here's my free giveaway money. So like when I see something or I see someone or I feel that nudge in my heart, like I can just give it without like strings attached because you've already budgeted for it. Maybe it's like number two, like just end your day thanking God for one or two things in your life that day. And what did it mean to you? Notice the gifts that he gives you. Thankfulness is a huge practice to turn towards God and not self. Three, this is what Dan is hoping I pick. <clears throat> Freeze spending in a certain area for 30 days. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less, depending on what it is you're choosing. But like, could you freeze your spending in a certain area and just say, okay, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you, God. I'm going to hunt after your treasure instead of this thing that I like to spend money on. And then four, set your budget this month or next month with God's heart in mind. You know, ask him, okay, God, this is your money. Where am I working with you in my budget and my money? And where am I working without you? Kind of just doing my own thing. And just let him speak to you. And let him give you those ways where he wants to, to bring your heart more in alignment with him. So let's pray as we go to worship. Jesus, everything that we have is yours. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we forget that. We forget that. So God, remind us this morning of your great blessings, your great goodness, and let us live in a posture with open hands and open hearts to say, yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, we worship you with everything we are. We worship you with our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength, everything that we have. We worship you. You are ours. Thank you for your friendship. That is the lasting foundation of this life and the life to come. We love you, Jesus. Amen. At Life in Your Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people, the, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left, like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, 
If you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here, and if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.